You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. down. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Saba. And I'm Brandon. And we are your hosts of the Cannabis Hangout. On today's episode, we are chatting with Corbin, who is born and raised in Oklahoma City and is the owner of the reputable Likewise Dispensaries. We're super excited to get to know him and the entrepreneurial leap he's taken with being a young business owner in the cannabis industry here. So guys, please welcome Corbin to the Cannabis Hangout. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Corbin. Thank you for being here and just taking time out of your busy schedule. Busy man, I know. Um, before we dive into Likewise and the brand, tell us a little bit about yourself and where your cannabis journey first began. Sure. Um, well, my cannabis journey began in a creek behind my house when I was 14. Okay. <laughs> nice. Trying to, trying to figure out how to turn tin foil into a uh, pipe. <laughs> Science project. <Yeah>. Sketchy. <laughs> Super sketchy. Uh, from there, it progressed to a, a Coke can. And uh, Okay, upgrades. Yeah. <laughs> Slow upgrades. <laughs> yeah, you can guess all sorts of, uh, you know, sketchy sort of things to smoke out of. Yeah, oh, yes. We've ultimate, all been there. Did, have you ever done an apple? An apple? Uh, you know, I was not cool enough for the apple. Okay, I've done an apple once. Anyways, continue. <laughs> yeah, um, from there, really, it just... Uh, Casually smoking, uh, failed my first year of college because uh, I didn't know how to balance things at the time. Yes. And, uh, yeah, had too much fun. Yeah, um, got it together. Was able to uh, use cannabis recreationally and medicinally throughout mm-hmm. college, and then whenever it legalized here, um, said, "Hey, that's something I'd like to be a part of." And now here we are. That's, that's cool. Nice. So, what's your go-to way to consume cannabis? Um, you know, before I had COVID. I really, really enjoyed using my PAX 3. Okay, yeah. I I love the dryer vaporizing. I like Mm -hmm. that it really brings out the terpenes. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, After I had COVID, though, it kind of messed with my lungs. So I leaned off a little bit. Uh, 1906 pills. Okay. One of my go-tos. Really? What's your favorite one? A chill. Chill, okay. Whatever takes the edge off is my favorite. Yes. So do you take it, like, during the daytime? Uh, no, actually, I try not to uh, use cannabis throughout the day. Okay. Just because for me, I'm like a, a zero or a hundred kind of guy. Yes. I'm either going and I'm awesome and I'm yeah. at the level that people want to see me at. Yeah. Or I'm not doing anything. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So balance is nothing balance, until yeah. you're ready. Exactly. But it sounds okay. like you're finding that balance in college. <laughs> like, yeah. I found that. Real You've quick. had yes. several years to <laughs> not try. To yeah. Do that. Exactly. So what? What do you say you enjoy doing after you smoke? Uh, honestly, sleeping is my favorite thing. Yeah? Yeah. I, uh, I think there's no better sleep than a sleep with cannabis. Honestly. Agreed. I have to agree with that, mm-hmm. honestly. Like I know, skip a in, beat. Uh, yeah. like that scene in Breaking Bad where they're laying on the bed and they start just slowly floating <laughs> off of the bed into the sky and the nice music plays. That's, That's exactly how it feels. Yeah. yeah. Do you have all the nice music playing too? <laughs> in my head, I do. Is yeah. that the vibe? Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. So everyone has a different family dynamic. What's your family like with your cannabis consumption? Are you pretty open with them? Did it take a while? What's what's all that like? Uh, whenever I told them I wanted to get into the cannabis industry, um, you know, I think that they had always suspected that I like to use cannabis, but hadn't necessarily ever said, hey, do you like to use cannabis? Mm-hmm. Um, so my family was definitely very, uh, you know, and we didn't talk about that type of thing. And when I told them I wanted to go into the industry, um, 
Yeah, they were they were actually really supportive, like surprisingly supportive. Yeah. So did you ever get in trouble when you were younger with cannabis from them? You know, I've always been good at sneaking around. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Not really. You don't seem yeah. like the type of kid who would huh. you don't seem like you would be trouble, but I bet you would be trouble. I was uh honestly a lot of trouble when I was younger. Yeah, but uh, you don't look like trouble, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't look like trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so did they know, like, your freshman year of college that you were trying to balance out those things, or was that just, like, a your, you and your personal thing? No, I, I guess it was all just personal. Okay, yeah. okay. I kind of had to look myself in the mirror and say, do I want to finish this and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, try to have a promising career, or mm-hmm. do I want to just enjoy myself all the time? And Naturally, yeah. I said I want to enjoy myself all the time, but I, <laughs> I didn't do that one. <laughs> That's good because, honestly, being in college, it's easy to fall into the traps of that. And then oh, yeah. college yeah. is over, and you're like, well, shit, I didn't really do anything. Uh-huh. That's exactly right. Yeah, and here we are. I know. I never. The funny thing is I never got into cannabis when I was in college. Yeah. So, like, I never had that experience. That's true. Um, you didn't really until, like, 25, 24, 25? Yeah, it was, like, after college, just yeah. probably in, like, twenty. 14, late, or 15. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little bit different route. But, okay, so you want to know what you're currently jamming with right now. Is there a certain product or, like, grower that you've been enjoying lately? Gosh. Um, Like I said, the 1906. I've really been enjoying the 1906s. Um, The drops are always great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Our full-spectrum house gummies we just launched are pretty cool. Um, Grower-wise, I've really always connected with Rooted Zen. Mm, okay. Yes. They, have, they have a strain called Don Carlos. I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Brandon, Brandon actually renamed to Corbin Wyatt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> love that. Been such an influence in his life. You know, he said, "Corbin, I want to name this after you, not Don uh, Carlos." Shout out to Brandon if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so they still currently have that strain. He does. He has the Corbin Wyatt. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've tried it. <laughs> I need yeah. to try previously known as Don, really Don Carlos. <laughs> yeah. If my parents tried it, they might say it's a letdown. But <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Okay, to flip the script a little bit, Corbin, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm Corbin, and uh, for my uh, my work side of things, I work in the cannabis industry, run the dispensaries, and uh, slowly but surely work on our processing to make good products there. Um, we also have a, a food cart that we run around with and uh, make oversized, non-infused cookies with. Uh, that's kind of a passion project. Uh, I like skating. I uh, enjoy watching movies, hanging out. Uh, the more nothing I can do, the better. Yeah, yeah. Sounds I mean, like you do a lot, so really, it doesn't sound like, like you have time for nothing. I know, so like you own Likewise Dispensaries, and being young and driven, there's that's always admirable, I feel like, with anyone I meet. But what sparked you into wanting to get like in the industry and opening up reputable dispensaries? Because I know none of that can be easy. I, um, you know, I was kind of concerned when we were first legalizing here that it was going to go exactly as people that were against 788 said Mm -hmm. it was, which was, you know, it's going to be a total shit show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I said, hey, if there's anything I can bring to the table, it's a patient first attitude, a really, really good environment and a place that, you know, generally speaking, puts people, whether that's a team member or a patient Mm -hmm. uh, first in everything we do and then you know, kind of let the rest after that follow. And I think that that, uh, that really shows in what we do right now. Yeah, I feel like that's, that's yeah, that's, I nailed it. It All of your bud tenders, every time I've gone, every time I go in there, they're always super helpful, ask questions. And that's, as a, as a patient, 
that's what I want. I want people to ask me questions. And if I say, no, I'm good, thank you. And then I turn and I'm like, hey, actually, then I know that they're right there because they've already asked questions as I've come in versus like, hey, what are you here for? And it's they ask so many more questions than just, hey, what are you in for? You know, and that's, I think that's important as a patient. Um, but with that, having one dispenser in itself is overwhelming, but you have multiple. What was the strategy in going about that? Because it comes with a lot of different hurdles when you have a lot of different locations. You know, I, uh, I kind of just said, let's wing it. And uh, we did. I, uh, I've kind of always been a, a head first kind of mm-hmm. guy. I like to, you know, just uh, if I, if I want to do something, I've always just said, I'm going to do it and I'll figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, whenever I was first doing it, uh, you know, I was younger, not quite as smart as I am now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so smart. I, I just thought to myself, yeah, dude, why shouldn't I be able to do this? This is easy. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And, and uh, you know, I have a lot to thank past Corbin for, for doing, for, you know, future Corbin, me yeah, today. Right. But he was in way over his head. Yeah. And it took years before I really kind of got my feet underneath me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's how it goes with, especially being so young and wanting to start something that you think is not that, like, big of a deal, but, like, it really is such a big deal because there's compliances and there's, picking the right products and picking the right team and the right branding and the right look, you know, there's just so much that goes into it. Well, you've, you've done really great. Proud of you, Corbin. It's cool to see. Cool, yeah. yeah. It's cool to see. Like, I remember hearing about likewise, you know, when it first opened up and like I was in the dispensary game and like likewise for competition and like, <laughs> it's funny to be on this side now and like obviously not work for a dispensary, but to see the growth and like how many locations you guys have opened up, it's really dope. And I know you guys are really, like killing it in the community. Where are your locations? Sure. Um, we've got uh, one on 63rd in May. It's called the Craft Store. We've got uh, one in Edmond on 4th and Broadway. It's called the Broadway Store. <laughs> uh, we've got one in the Plaza District. I'm guessing you know what it's called. The Plaza. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and then we've got a, a store in Stillwater as well. And we have our collab store with Rooted Zen on uh, Penn and 122nd. And then we have our uh, our final store that we had in the works, which is a collaboration with uh, Byron's Liquor. And okay. And next door to Byron's Liquor. So that's the newest one that you guys are working on at the moment. Yeah. Very wow, cool. That's very cool. So do you plan on expanding out of state because you seem like the type of man that would do that? Um, like yeah. the brand in, in regards to likewise? You know, I uh, I never say no. Yeah. Uh, but I'm always the type of person that, uh, you know, for, the, for this, for instance, I'm not necessarily going to make overtures to go out of state. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma yeah. is my home, and I'm really proud to be here. So yeah. I try not to do things that take me too much out yeah. of the state. You want to yeah. love on Oklahoma <laughs> where yeah. you can. But, yeah. but if somebody said, hey, would you do this with us out of state, I wouldn't be you, against that. Yeah, that's cool. It's a good yeah. go-getter attitude to have. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so product quality is super important, and I know Brian and I love to know what goes into dispensaries picking products for their shelves. So how do you guys go about choosing brands for your stores and for the patients? Um, you know, that's uh, that's really a multifaceted kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, a lot of places, I think, probably look at price first. Like, what do we buy this for and what can we sell it for? Mm-hmm. We generally start with who would get the most use out of this product. And if we can identify enough of our patient group that would potentially benefit from the product, mm-hmm. then we kind of reverse engineer that into, okay, well... What could we purchase it for? How inexpensively could we sell it? Uh, how many units would we expect to move in a month? Things like that. So really it's uh, it's just trying to figure out 
what the patients would actually like to see. Yeah, because that's a really hard game to play because a couple patients might like one thing one week, but then the next week they're off it and on something completely different. Yeah, rosin, rosin is the, the biggest culprit for that. You know, we yes. uh, we'll buy a brand and we sell out of it in a day, and everyone's like, "We got to get more, we got to get more, we got to get more." Mm-hmm. So we'll really up on the next drop, and then everyone's like, "Oh, that brand's a little bit overplayed. We don't, yeah. want, we're not going to buy that brand." Where I'm like, "Oh gosh, good, good timing." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and now you're stuck. So wavy. <laughs> exactly how that works. So. Um, it, it really is just a balancing game and kind of a juggling act yeah. to figure out what to get and when. Yeah, and it's like you have to have some good loyal patients too to be able mm-hmm. to know what you know what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, absolutely, you do. So building that loyalty—it's yeah. a whole. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. <laughs> so for patients coming in that may not know what to expect or how to ask questions, do you have some advice, like as a business owner, to make that experience better? Um, so like, like what would the patients be able to say to make their experience? Yeah. Better? Or like how, like what questions to ask coming in that you're like, yeah. Oh, I wish patients would ask this, that their experience would be this. Yeah. I feel like we've really like, we, we've kind of taken the other side of that at our stores and we've got a list of questions our bud tenders know to ask new patients mm-hmm. to get that information. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of new patients, if they would just simply say, I'm new to this, can you help me find something mm-hmm. for X, Y, Z? Yeah. Like specifically, I, I have back pain or something. Mm-hmm. It would really help with the identification of, hey, this product is for you. Yeah. Because a lot of people come in and they're like, you know, their first time they're nervous. They're really closed off. Yeah. They don't want to talk about it. They're like, oh, I'm just browsing. I'm just mm-hmm. browsing. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of got to like work it out of them. Like, yeah. Okay, well. You know, are you here for anything in particular? And they're like, yeah, to mind my own business. And you're like, oh, 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 okay. You're like, oh, okay, okay. And really, I've had that happen to me so many times. Uh, Um, That's funny. But then finally, they kind of come out of their shell. They realize that, you know, you're not just here to to get them high. You're here to actually help them with a medicinal product. Yeah, there's a lot uh, to choose from. Unless you know all the products, then that's a lot. Uh, Yeah, when the the industry first started, I saw more people coming into our stores in trench coats and sunglasses. Trying to what? trying to hide because they, they wow. were embarrassed. They yeah, they didn't want to be. They yeah. didn't want their job or their neighbor mm-hmm. or the government who knows they have a trench gun or coats something. and sunglasses. So, yeah. That's wild to think about. Really, I saw that so many times. And you would you would watch them after that first visit. They might come back next time and ditch the trench coat for a heavy sweater <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. And over time, the layers start coming back, and they're just mm. a normal person. But it's been nice to watch this industry evolve from that level of people being afraid their neighbors would find out yeah yeah people just kind of come in normally now they're just a little more closed off yeah, yeah. Hmm. getting out of their that's shell. good perspective it's <laughs> cool to hear it from somebody who's been who has been in the industry for a little bit and you know sees because each city in oklahoma comes with very different territories and very different types of patients they're all the same because we all consume cannabis, but they're all very different in what they like and the products they want and even what moves and so yeah, you're doing great. I forgot my thought there, but we, we do you're doing best. great. <laughs> so speaking of patient experiences, um, what's something you instill in your employees when you train them to make that experience better? Um, well, with our with our training, uh, one of my big things I like to teach them is called managing expectations. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something I actually use in my personal life. A good friend of mine, Nick, who was incredibly successful, taught me this trick. And uh, it's essentially being incredibly upfront with people about how something's going to go. So for instance, if you come into one of our stores and you're a new patient, I might tell you, Hey, it's going to take me a minute and a half to build your profile. 
next time you come in, all I'll need from you is your med card. Mm-hmm. We'll get you checked in almost immediately. Uh, we have these products over here. I'll show you them all. Feel free to ask questions. The more information you can give someone up front, yeah. the more secure and comfortable they feel. Yeah. So that translates into personal lives. I mm-hmm. Let's say, uh, you know, you've got a, a dinner date with the step-parents, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I really just want to go home and watch Netflix. Well, instead of just getting there and then trying to find an excuse while you're there to leave, tell them in advance, hey, looking forward to dinner with you guys at 6. Uh, I'm going to have to bail by 7. I've been exhausted from work, and I really need to go get some early rest. By the time 7 rolls around, they will be begging you to leave. Yeah. Like clockwork. That's good. That's really good advice. I mean. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like yeah. just owning what, I don't know. Instead of making excuses after, yeah, and just sit, setting that boundary beforehand. Correct. Yeah, that's and that's important to do, I feel like. Because in, there's no in, confusion. There's no confusion. Yeah. There's, and if there's questions, it's probably not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so with your training employees, what did your, because, I mean, I remember not all dispensaries have SOPs. Mm-hmm. What did that process look like, especially from young Corbin, not maybe thinking about that? Or maybe you did think about that. I don't know. What, what, how has that evolved? Yeah, my early handbook sucked. <laughs> <laughs> they were trash. Um, it really, it's just experimentation and understanding that, uh, you know, in, in the school system, for instance, everyone's upset right now because we're, we're finding out kids don't learn the same, right? Yeah. Well, it turns out adults don't learn the same either. Yes. So whenever you think to yourself, okay, I'm just going to put some stuff on paper and make a blanket statement and they're going to do exactly what I tell them to do. That might seem reasonable to some people like myself, but other people don't learn like that. Right. So over time, the trainings really progress to how do we individually tailor training to each person? Do we need to have video? Do we need to have audio? Do mm-hmm. we need to have stuff in writing? And now the answer is yes, we have all of it. Yeah. We, we do everything. And uh, we also, I like to tell people when they first start, um, the time you take to train can be unlimited if you need a month to train before you hit the floor. Yeah. That's cool. I'll pay you for the whole time. This mm-hmm. is me investing in your ability to do the best job you can possibly do. Which is cool because I feel like a lot of dispensaries you go into in Oklahoma, it's not that. They're just there to do the job and nobody's investing in them. So they're not growing further in this industry if that's something that they wanted to do. They're just waiting for the next opportunity to latch on to. And I think it's really admirable that you invest in your people because that also gives them, gives them your, gives you, they, they're more loyal to you is what I'm trying to say, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're more likely to like live out your vision that you have for this brand, beautiful brand that you've created, which is awesome. Especially the managers. Yeah. Um, You know, I feel like a lot of people, they don't get that mentorship anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't get people teaching them things and, you know, even though I'm definitely on the younger end of the spectrum, I've had some really, really cool mentors throughout time, people much more successful and smart than I am. And, you know, I took notes and I tried to retain as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And now with our uh, managers, I try to take that same amount of time that my mentors took with me to teach them yeah. things that, you know, even if they leave in six months for that next point in time in their career, I always hope they can look back and say, yeah. I always appreciated that Corbin took the time yeah. to actually help me as a person. Yeah. Like That's you really impacted cool. them somehow. Yeah. yeah. So when I just, I'm always curious what goes into people picking their teams. What, is there a certain like thing that you look for when oh, picking yeah. people? Like, or is it like an Apple situation where like you're not going to tell us because nobody oh, knows you what you all. look for? <laughs> I'll tell you all because uh, 
it's, it's pretty easy. I look for people that care about people first. Yeah. I, I believe I can train and teach anybody anything, mm-hmm. but you can't train or teach somebody how to actually care about people. Yeah. So if I can discover that someone does like people, we, we do really horrible, untraditional interviews where it's, it's honestly one of the craziest things you've ever seen, how we do interviews. Really? Oh, it's wild. What do you do? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I'm um, curious. I mean, there, it's, it's no interview you've ever seen before, and it, it's so awkward and stressful sometimes for the interviewees, but at the end of it, I give them context and I explain why. Yeah. And it's because you're going to be put on the spot a million times uh-huh. in this store. You're going to have people that come in and – you know, they, they've been on narcotics for years. They're not doing well mentally. They need help getting off of those narcotics. They want to try cannabis. And you're going to have to be patient, calm, and understanding with them. Mm-hmm. So in the interview process, I mean, we'll do things like I have a list of words, and it starts off as real words, and then it's words that we've just made up. And I ask them, okay, you have one second, literally, or you fail this part of the, the interview. Tell me the first word you think of when I tell you this word. And so at first, you know, it's a word like door, and then they'll say knob, or it's a word like horse, and they'll say ride. And then it gets to be like, like a gakla. And they're like, uh, makla. And I'm like, nope, rhyming's not allowed. Rhyming's not allowed. <laughs> and you start to see them kind of crumble. But the best part of it is seeing the resilience. One, they don't give up. Mm-hmm. And two, they don't lie about knowing the words. Yeah, I want to see them not feel like they have to make something up with uh-huh. me. I want them to be honest with me. Yeah, and then I, throughout the interview, I like to ask them. I'm like, "Cool, how? Uh, you know, what's your stress level here?" And <laughs> it starts at like a three, right? Because like, yeah. when they first come in, I like to ask it, and they're like, "Oh, three. I'm kind of nervous." And I'm like, "Cool. Well, let's try to keep that below an eight. And they're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and then by the time we get to to like the word part of it or the um, the hypotheticals, like for instance. Um, Alex has one that he likes to do where he likes to ask people if they would rather fight a thousand duck-sized horses or (laughs) one duck the size of a horse. And it's the questions like that that kind of get people's heads spinning. Yeah. And, you know, for the people that are like, I don't really get the question. Well, you're going to be asked tons of questions as a bud tender. Yeah. That are just going to throw you off. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can't answer weird questions like that in an informal setting like an interview. It's going to be really hard to do it with a patient. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. It's always interesting Mm -hmm. to hear people's perspective and that's probably the most out there one I've seen, but I will say that it reminds me very much of something like a tech company would do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very creative, very out of the box. And I have so much appreciation for that because as an interviewee, it, makes you, I mean, for me personally, I would want to work for that company more because I'm like, what the fuck kind of interview process was that? And how do I get that times yeah. two, you know? And it just makes you wonder what the mind of the person who started the company and like the people that work there. Cause in some shape or form, all the people that work there are creative because you've asked them these questions. They've gone down the stress level. They've said weird shit too. And they've had to creatively come up with those answers on the fly. Mm-hmm. And so that's really... That's really cool. Yeah, I uh, I do another one too, where I'm like, all right, so you have experience in customer service, yes? And like everyone's like, yeah, of course, I'm really great. I'm like, perfect. Let's go out on the floor and try it out. So, <laughs> wow. I, I have some characters I've been using since our first store in Edmond. 
Yeah. I've got gnarly skater dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an old man Jenkins. And, and I'll just put them through this like horribly weird, like old man Jenkins. It takes him 30 seconds to walk to the counter. And then when he gets there, he's like, hello. And they're like, hello, welcome to Likewise Cannabis. <laughs> and he's like, what? I need you to speak up. And then they, they get to the point where they're yelling, and then old man Jenkins is like, well, don't yell at me. <laughs> but these are actual, like, people this acting is, like this? This is real. Okay. Is, well, I'm, I'm like, do I want to be a part of your No, I'm like, can <laughs> we is, be actors? <laughs> yeah, it is It is a lot of fun. But the cool thing is, by the end of it, you know, when you get a new job, you're, like, really nervous about going yeah. into it. You don't know your coworkers and stuff. Right. Almost the entire interview process, they're actually bonding with the people in the store. Yeah. And you're all kind of having fun together. Yeah. And then at the end of it, when they get hired, if, if they do get hired, I take them out on the floor. I say, everybody – Welcome to the new team member. Everyone claps. They're excited. We yeah, the that's so cool. It's like you just got invited into something. Mm-hmm. And so it takes Initiated away, in a different yeah. way. <laughs> it takes away those layers of like, you know, how long is it going to be before I get to see the real you? Yeah. I see the real them immediately. Immediately, which is cool. And then, and that's easier for them to come into work the second day yes. and like, or the first day really. And Most people are really excited smash about it. the second day. Yeah. They're like, this is the first day. <laughs> what <laughs> I, happens next? Yeah. yeah. I like that though. That's Keeps awesome. them on their toes. Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Yes, and with being business owners ourselves, Saab, we understand what it's like pretty well, I think. With BIC Legal, they practice in areas like family law, estate planning, business litigation, and review and draft contracts for your company while assisting in licensing applications, and so much more. And with the Oklahoma cannabis industry thriving, the rules and regulations related to cannabis are quite strict. Jade Pebworth with BIC Legal, she really enjoys working with companies from the ground up. So if you're looking for good legal help in Oklahoma, she's your girl. Let's get back to today's episode. So I know you've said a lot of these things, but what is something that you feel like sets your dispensary apart from all the like 2000-ish around? Sure, I think it's like 25 whatever yeah 2000 ish 500 ish yeah honestly it's uh there there's so many good dispensaries out there like there really are um i think it's that we care about the little things and we put a lot of focus on the little stuff i believe that if you can do the little things right then you can do the big things right yeah you know if you can do the big things right but you can't do the little things that means you're inconsistent mm-hmm. you can't do things repeatedly because you can't manage the little stuff so we really put a heavy focus on helping our bud tenders and our managers stay on track to do the little stuff. Um, really, honestly, uh, the only things we do better than, than anyone else, in my opinion, is just investing in our people. Yeah. Um, we're, we're trying to normalize the, the four-day work week. Almost every single team member in our company either has three and a half days or three days off. Wow, get, so cool. Gets all the hours they need. Uh, we work around people's schedules for, um, like, oh, if my significant other is off on these days, cool. Mm, uh, you know, wow. in most companies, you know, when someone needs a cover, no one's willing, right? Right. In our company. Everyone's willing. Everyone is so willing. That's so dope. Everybody time. Everybody's yeah. connected to each other. People are getting rest, enjoying life. Yes, and, and I don't think people can do their best job if their personal life isn't put first. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So we yeah. always encourage people to... When you're off the clock, put your personal life first. Let me help you when you're on the clock. Get it set up so that when you're off of it, you're not getting bothered here. Mm -hmm. And then when they are there, they're so much more energized and alive. I have mad respect for that because there's nothing like hitting the reset button and being refreshed no matter from what you do.
in a good way. Yeah. Like one way or the other. If Yeah. And I, I will say this. I go into Likewise a minimum of twice a week as of recently. And it every single time I see a butt tender, and usually I have the same three in all my three locations I go to, <laughs> but they're never like, their energy is never like off. It's always on. It's always the same. It's always super friendly, super inviting. You're not worrying about them. No, and they're literally there for me, and I'm I'm kind of chaotic when I go in there sometimes because I don't ever know what I want, and they're always so great with me. Good. And that I feel like a lot has to do with how you set them up for success and their work-life balance because that's so huge, and people are worked into the ground, but the fact that you're mindful of that I think is so cool and helps them help us. I think more places, more dispensaries or business owners, period, not even dispensaries need to have that mentality yeah. because that's how you lose people whenever you aren't nourishing, like nurturing that kind of yes. like just mental, mental yeah, health. Mental health. It was in all areas of your life. So Corbin, what is something that you love about the Oklahoma cannabis market? Uh, I like how fast it evolved. Yeah, yeah. I do too. There, there was zero stability in this market for entire time actually even now there's none yeah nothing is the same month over month yeah that's true i love when people ask me oh what are your future plans what are you going to do like what, what what's your thoughts on the future and i'm like today today's, like, a good day. today's cool i don't know what happens tomorrow i guess we'll find out yeah and i feel like that's you know a lot of people look at me like i'm dumb they're like that's a terrible business plan and i'm like that's the only business plan is to adapt and react yes yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. i agree i have no I, plans yeah just rolling with it yep. yeah and figuring out as you, as you go yep. yeah love that so what on the flip side of that what's something you feel like needs more attention um Nothing. It's perfect. <laughs> um, you know, I, th- I think the only thing that needs really attention, honestly, is just uh, the the problem that a lot of good growers and processors and dispensaries are facing, and that um, you know, you you want to be able to do things like rapidly increase wages for your team members. Yeah. yeah. You want everyone to hit a twenty dollar an hour mark, right? You want yeah. everyone to be living a crazy good quality life. Yeah. But the only way to actually do that is to maintain certain revenue levels. And one of the biggest issues I think in the industry is that there are a lot of cheaper, shadier products out there that come in and, you know, they're 60 for $5 or whatever. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that unknowingly think, oh, this is probably a really good product. Yeah. Well, it's not, but now you've got people that are just flocking to whatever is the absolute or cheapest instead of the best, which means you start to see better processors and better growers getting edged out of the market because they're spending more money to make their products better, cleaner, safer, healthier, but they can't afford to compete with the people that aren't. Yeah. And I kind of think that it's concerning over the next year or so to see how many good quality products actually stand when quality right now seems like it's going down from where it was last year. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's well said though. No, that was really well said. So what is the most challenging part about being a dispensary owner? Uh, I, I think for me personally, it's how many people don't like me. Um, I've always been like really <laughs> well liked by people. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't dislike anyone really. But yeah. Like it's wild how many people are just, you know, oh, you must be an asshole. 
And I'm mm. like, well, I am, but I'm also pleasant <laughs> to be around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, there's just so much like toxicity in the industry that doesn't mm-hmm. need to exist. There's yeah, so but they also fun. don't really know you if they're no. going to come up with a quick opinion like that. You know, sure, sure. But it, I think that that needs to change. Yeah, if this industry is about people and love mm-hmm. and you know, green medicinal yes. energy. Yes. Green medicinal energy. All of, all of the mm-hmm. hate and drama has to stop. Mm-hmm. The drama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not here for the you drama. Can't just form opinions about people. Yeah. yeah. You ain't wrong. So we have to ask, what are your feelings about metric here in Oklahoma? Do you love it? You hate it? You I, think it's beneficial? I, I actually love it. Okay. Tell it, us why. It made every team member in my store's lives 50% easier. Okay. Because now the product, instead of having to be manually entered into the system, automatically comes in. Which is nice. Which is so cool. So oh, That is nice um, for them. Yeah, we, we've actually been able to make everyone's lives easier in the stores with metric. And it... It is more work in some areas, mostly on my end, because I'll, I'll shoulder the harder stuff. But overall, the impact it's had on the rest of the company has been fantastic. That's awesome. That's good to hear. Because I feel like normally people are like, oh, metric. But it's it's good to hear someone be positive about it. Yes, because <laughs> some structure is beneficial. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. so being a business owner can be overwhelming, I'm sure. And especially when you're wearing several hats like yourself, especially with the cookie business, because we haven't even <laughs> gotten into that yet. Um, how do you find balance with work-life pleasure and what do you do to find that? You know, I was really, really bad at that for a long time. I uh, I actually worked myself incredibly sick, like almost to the point of thinking I will never be as good as I was. Um at one point in time, and it was, it was at the mm. end of 2020, I got COVID, and on top of that, I had worked nonstop for two years. Yeah. Like, never even considered another way of life, and when I got sick, it kind of made me realize this this epiphany that I have now, which is how we do things, but that's create that work-life balance. It's good to work and work hard, but the people that grind, and they're, like, bragging about how they don't sleep at night and things like that, you are eventually going to damage yourself almost irreversibly like Mm -hmm. I did. And you're not going to be able to come back from that if you don't let your body heal. So for me personally, um, it's, it's been a lot of making sure that my team knows I'm always available, Mm -hmm. but giving them the resources to tackle their issues before they contact me. Yeah. Uh, that's helped a lot. Um, the rest of it is, um, really just getting back out, the road you know skating things like mm-hmm. that hanging out with friends i stopped doing that for a long time yeah yeah it's important yeah. friendships keep you alive yeah it really does yeah well it sounds like getting sick in a weird way it was like a blessing in it, your life yeah it, it opened know, up kind the of, next chapter yeah yeah absolutely. Yeah. So and now light bulb. I'm, I'm better than i was before then yeah which is cool because for almost a year to 2021 was like one of my worst years ever um I didn't think I was ever going to get back on the horse. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough, but yeah, I came back. Look at you. Yeah. Yes. Better than ever. <laughs> I love that. So, Corbin, do you have any advice for young entrepreneurs? Because how old are you? Uh, I'm 28 now. Okay. I okay. started when I was uh, 24. Which puts wow. all this into perspective, which is yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. But what would you say to people who are aspiring to do their own, you know, anything, business, creativity? Um, you know, I'd say... Don't think you know anything. Uh, people are so cocky when they get started. They're they're like, oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna change the world with my app that tells me where I parked my car. Like, don't be cocky about it, but yeah. don't you know give up on yourself either. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it, the odds of most people being millionaires and billionaires and stuff is pretty slim. Don't try to make money. Try to make a product. Try yeah. to build an environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I Young entrepreneurs are really interesting to me too because like me, I used to have 600 dreams all going at the same time. I used to, one of the first things I ever did was build the shittiest apps in the entire world. I hope no one ever discovers anything <laughs> I made. My, my family kept some of these things I made on their phones. And every uh, time we have a family gathering, they all start playing these horrible games that I made. Uh, I need to tap into your no, family. <laughs> horrible. And they make fun of me relentlessly. But I like it because it reminds me of how far I came. And yeah. it also reinforces this lesson that you don't have to do 600 projects at once. You don't have to be trying to build everything all at once. You can build one thing and it can take yeah. 10 years to build. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great it's, reminder. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. It's that okay is a good reminder. Slow. Cause I know when you start, you're like locked in on this one thing, but you're, you kind of, you have to grasp other things along the way. And then you're like, Oh, well, this isn't really doing what I thought it was going to be doing. So let me vamp over to this and like put some love into this. But really you're just taking away from what you originally yes. started. And you can't stop a project until it gets to a point where the project is telling you that you don't need to be a part of it anymore. Yeah. My, my dispensaries, they need so little from me now mm-hmm. that I'm mostly just handling all of the financial mm-hmm. and regulatory stuff for the stores and I'm able to focus on, you know, finishing that buyer in store. Yeah. Getting the the cookie cart stuff done. Like I actually have more time than I used to to focus on creating things mm-hmm. than maintaining them because so the cool. team's good. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. great. And you've made them, you know, created that platform yeah. for them to be that way. So this cookie truck, what inspired yeah. you to create a cookie truck? Um I wanted to do something unexpected and very unexpected <laughs> i like cookies everyone likes cookies yeah um and uh you know it was just kind of a, a almost a passion project i mm-hmm. love customer service and and serving people and things and uh this cart was a a really it kind of just fell into my lap mm-hmm. and me my fiance Kristen, and uh, my best friends landon and savannah we all just did it together and it's been going pretty decent so far so are you baking the cookies I, Will you be baking the cookies? I wouldn't be allowed to touch the cookies. Uh, you're the tester. In any sort of non-recreational way. Okay. I'm, I'm the tester. You're yeah. the tester. Okay. We can be testers. So when you, does... You all are more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be a tester. When does your, the cookie truck open? Uh, so the cookie truck is set to open in July. Okay. Wow. Uh, we've already perfected about 20 cookie recipes. Uh, they're all... I thought you were about to say 20 cookies. Yeah, <laughs> I was they, like, ah, oh, okay, nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're all... Uh, gas they're half pound they're stuffed Ooh, yeah they're uh give us like one can we get can we get a sneak peek of like one flavor yeah sure so uh one of my favorites is called the shire uh-huh. named after lord of the rings uh, where the hobbits lived and uh, the <laughs> hobbits are kind of always talking about strawberries and cream uh-huh. so Ooh. so we created this insane custom cream that is just all over this huge it's like a kind of like almost a vanilla wafer type cookie. And it almost is like refreshing to eat. You're eating this cookie and you're like, why do I feel refreshed? So this really? isn't just like your basic old chocolate chip cookie. You want no. this type. It's This is so much more. They're gourmet cookies. This is like um, exotics. Yeah, there's there's one too called the, um, I love peanut butter. The uh, It's called like the PB-licious. I can't remember. Uh, 
but it's it's this gigantic peanut butter cookie with a marshmallow that's melted down in the middle, <gasps> and there's peanut butter in and all around this marshmallow. So mm-hmm. when you break this cookie in half, it's marshmallow goo and literal dripping peanut butter. Oh my god! What the heck? My mouth just watered. Well, what is this cookie truck called? And is there an Instagram for it for someone to look at? This? It's, called, it's called Dough Days, and the Instagram is uh, like Dough Days Cookies. Spell it for us. Do, D-O-U-G-H, days, D-A-Y-S, and then the word cookies. Dope. Cool. That's wow. so exciting. I can't wait to be a cookie tester. Holy oh, cow. Absolutely, you all will be. Line them up. You're going to be eating so many cookies. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, these are too many cookies. Um, I know. Don't tempt me with a good time. Moderation. <laughs> yeah. So, Corbin, we like to ask everyone this question, but what's a stigma you'd like to see changed revolving cannabis? Um. That's so tough because I feel like a lot of the stigmas have gone away since we started. So much of that stuff in 2018 that we were dealing with that made me cringe, I haven't heard this year even. Um, I guess if there was one stigma that I'd like to see go away, it's uh, the stigma of who uses cannabis. Yeah. I mean, we have state politicians, very well-renowned athletes and people like mm-hmm. we have people that you would be like oh shit i saw that guy on tv or girl on tv yeah shopping at our stores mm-hmm. and when you start to realize that you know some of those people are in their late 80s some mm-hmm. of those people are in their early 30s and they're all doing the same exact thing mm-hmm. it really i think there are a lot of people that i wish could see i know what you mean it. because if you said to yourself oh that that billionaire is using cannabis yeah that billionaire that I think is awesome. Yeah. And I like personally using some of the things that they use shops for cannabis once a week over here. You would be like, Oh, maybe that's not what I thought it was. Yeah. Right. It would be like an instant, like, it's I don't know, change. check of yeah. it's like they're doing check. it. So I want to do it too type thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I wish, I wish more people could see that, but obviously privacy is really important. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. We don't absolutely. Really It'll come stuff. Yeah. It'll come out that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. I feel like, I mean, that's why we're here talking yeah, <laughs> to break, help break those stigmas. Exactly. Well, Corbin, I believe this wraps up our episode for today. Thank you again for chatting with us. Yes. We really appreciate you and your time. Yes. Thank you for being here, Corbin. Um, you guys can find out more on likewise and check out their vibe on instagram it's at likewise underscore okay that's l-i-k-e-w-i-s-e underscore okay and thank you to every single one of you that tuned in today and be sure to check out next week's episode and as always some stay medicated Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.